Hey there, Braves fans. Welcome to another episode of State of the Braves. I'm your host, George McNair. Really good to be back with you guys once again. Yes, we are still in January. Yes, it is still cold outside. And yes, it is uh, still several weeks until spring training begins. And yet, uh, there are some uh, news notes to talk about this week on State of the Braves. Uh, several things going down with the Braves organizations to discuss. So uh, uh, among those items we're going to talk about today, uh, Braves head scout Dana Brown is hired by the Astros as their new general manager. Uh, the Braves, uh, we haven't talked about it. It's actually been a couple weeks now, but the Braves were finally able to participate in the international signing period. So we'll talk about a few players of note that we might want to look for uh, in the future. Uh, these guys are always a ways away from the big leagues 16, 17 years old when they signed, but nonetheless, we'll talk about them a little bit. Uh, Brian Snicker signs an extension through the 2025 season, so Snit is staying around for a while, and that's uh, not uh, not shocking for sure. Uh, the Hall of Fame class of 2023 was announced for Major League Baseball. We'll get into, get into that. Unfortunately, Braves fans kind of disappointed, though not shocked by uh, no no former Braves getting in this year, though a couple of them were pretty close. And, uh, and then Spencer Strider, uh, during FanFest for the Braves, pays tribute to uh, the movie Major League. So we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit. It's kind of fun news um, and just another reason to kind of like Spencer Strider. So, all right, well, let's start off with the Dana Brown news. So Dana Brown has been with the Braves for the last four seasons, uh, hired by Alex Anthopoulos. And in fact, these two go way back. So Dana Brown was um, an, an exec with um, the... Uh, Montreal Expos way back in the day, and this is when Alex Anthopoulos got his very first job in Major League Baseball. Dana Brown hired him. So these guys have, have been uh, connected to one another for a large portion of their uh, careers in Major League Baseball. Anthopoulos hiring Brown four years ago uh, to, uh, to run the Braves, basically run the Braves scouting department. And so a lot of what the Braves have done, especially in the draft, over the last four years can be directly tied to Brown. Uh, of course, Anthopoulos gets a lot of the credit, but he's not, and he'd probably tell you, he's not the guy that's on the ground. Um, he's trusting these guys, and particularly, I'm sure he trusted Dana Brown a lot because of their, their past together. So, yeah, 2019 through the 2022 draft has Dana Brown's fingerprints all over it. Uh, he will certainly be missed uh, by the Braves front office. He's, uh, you know, obviously the Astros are also believing in him and his abilities. And uh, he's never had this opportunity. He's been in baseball for a long time. So it's pretty cool for him to have an opportunity, not just to be a general manager, but to be a general manager of a very, very good uh, organization in the Astros. It'll be interesting to see what he does there. Uh, just looking back a little bit on his legacy uh, in Atlanta, even though he wasn't in Atlanta all that long. Let's look at some of the previous drafts and maybe some of the better draft picks that uh, he took. So uh, his first draft with the Braves, 2019, uh, the first round pick that year was Shea Langoliers. Of course, the Braves end up eventually trading Langoliers to the A's in the Matt Olson deal. Uh, so Langoliers never really sees time in a Braves uniform uh, and yet uh, has a big part to play in what the Braves look like today. The third round pick that year in 2019 was a, a guy you might have heard of. Michael Harris was the third round pick that year. And then all the way down into the 11th round, Vaughn Grissom is taken in the 11th grant, 
11th round of the 2019 draft. And so those three obviously are of note, Harris particularly. And so Harris um, very recently accepted his Rookie of the Year award. And in that speech, not only was Brown in attendance, but he personally thanked Dana Brown for believing in him, for fighting for him. And uh, there's been quite a few uh, stories and even Anthopolis told a story of Dana Brown would always be in his ear. Like, when are you, you going to bring up Michael Harris? When are you going to bring him up? He's ready. Uh, and eventually, of course, it happened. So I think probably more, uh, you know, more than any other player on the Braves team, Michael Harris uh, is tied to Dana Brown, and we can thank him for that one. In 2020, uh, you know, this was the shortened draft. There was only five rounds in the 2020 MLB draft. Uh, the Braves took Spencer Strider in the fourth round and um, and then Bryce Elder in the fifth round. So as far as Braves that we've seen and have met, made an impact, uh, the last two rounds of the 2020 MLB draft were pretty good to the Braves. Uh, they also took Jared Schuster in the first round, and we have yet to see Schuster, but um, he could be knocking on the door this year. So we might see him uh, in 2023. But for being such a, a short draft, um, getting – Two or three guys uh, who could, you know, play a part in your pitching staff is pretty awesome. And, of course, Strider stands out above the rest. Uh, if he is able to back up what he did last year, he could be one of the best pitchers in baseball this season. Uh, in 2021, uh, this draft is probably the biggest question mark of, of the four years that Brown oversaw a lot of the, uh, the scouting. Um, so Ryan Cusick was the first-round pick that year. He has also been traded away. Since uh, second round pick was Spencer Schwellenbach, who immediately got hurt, uh, and we've yet to see him. Now he could turn into a really good uh, prospect, but we just haven't seen him much. Third round pick Dylan Dodd had a really slow start uh, last year and then came on really strong in the second half of the season. So a lot of people do like Dodd a lot. And then seventh round pick is AJ Smith Shaver. Uh, he has been um, kind of highlighted as maybe the top prospect in the Braves system now. A lot of people like Shaver, but he's also had some injury stuff. And so we'll, we'll just have to see on him. So 2021, you know, those last three that I mentioned, Schwellenbach, Dodd, and Shaver could all turn out to be something or they could flame out. We just haven't seen them very much. So it's hard to make a call on 2021 just yet. Uh, the 2022 season uh, for Dana Brown, his last draft for the Braves, Owen Murphy was the Braves' first pick, and then they got a, a comp pick, uh, which was J.R. Ritchie. So basically two, uh, two first-round picks. Second-round pick was Cole Phillips. All these guys' pitchers, uh, potentially very good, but they're a ways away. These are young guys, and we're, we're going to have to see how they work out. The fifth-round pick could, be, could end up being a, a real steal for the Braves. Nacho Alvarez, third baseman. A lot of good things have been said about him early on. He came out of nowhere. Um, no one was kind of had them on their radar and the Braves knew something. And I don't know if Brown was directly tied to that uh, or not, but Alvarez is certainly a guy that's interesting, a lot of mystery to him and see how he, he plays in this, um, this upcoming minor league season. And then the seventh round pick Adam Mayer could also end up being a pretty interesting pickup out of uh, the university of Oregon. Hasn't pitched much because of also a lot of injuries, but a lefty with uh, with definitely some talent. So this is Dana Brown. You know, his his four years is going to be really tied mostly to the draft because through most of his time with the Braves, 
the Braves were not able to play much of a part in the international signing period. The Braves picking one big signing uh, last season, and then they had a full round of it this season. So, you know, the 2022 signing period, which we're going to get into some of those guys here shortly, um, could, you know, could have some diamonds in the rough for sure. Uh, see if Brown maybe found uh, some interesting guys there. Of course, he, I'm sure, was also relying on guys um, that were working under him. So it's not just about Brown. I mean, he would say that, and certainly Alex Anthopoulos would say it too. It's a team of scouts, but he's kind of the primary guy, and he's, and you know, he's the guy that probably Alex Anthopoulos trusted more than anybody. Uh, so losing a guy that you, that you trust that much, I'm sure it's going to hurt the organization. Uh, but I think the Braves also have a lot of quality people in their scouting department. So it's, it will be interesting to see if the Braves hire from outside or if someone uh, rises through the ranks. It has been reported that the Braves don't intend to fill Brown's position this season. It is kind of late in the period for anyone to be available um, that they might want to hire. So they're going to let things play out this season and uh, then go from there. Of course, that's kind of interesting because uh, at least, at the very least, the MLB draft will be happening this season without uh, your without a scouting director in in place. So we'll we'll obviously see how that goes. But um, of course, best wishes to Brown. I think he has a great opportunity, but a lot of pressure going into that kind of position with a very good organization. Um, all right, guys. Well, let's move on from that and into um, the international signing period that the Braves just finalized couple weeks ago again brown would have been very much on top of that stuff he probably said hey astros you know let's let's talk but i have to get this done for the braves first so he he certainly did that so all right well um again this is the first signing period that the braves have been able to fully participate in since all of those sanctions came down with the john coppolella um you know, stuff that, that happened. Of course, we talked about copy being reinstated not too long ago. So it's kind of interesting, the timing of that. But uh, nonetheless, the Braves are able to fully go at it this uh, this time around. And their big signing this year was Luis Guanipa. Uh, he's out of Venezuela. They signed him for $2.5 million. Uh, that's about half of what the Braves had to spend total for their international signings. If you don't know about Major League Baseball and how they deal with international players versus American players, you have American players go through the MLB draft um, and rounds kind of similar to what other um, other um, you know the NBA and, and NHL and all that do, uh, other sports leagues. And but uh, international players go through a totally different process, and it's honestly kind of an awkward process. Um, a lot of these teams will. Uh, begin relationships, uh, connections, make connections with agents of, you know, 13, 14 year old kids from these impoverished countries. And, you know, then you just kind of see how that kid progresses over the next two or three years. They end up signing at 16, 17 years old. Um, and, you know, you can see how uh, Capoella and other GMs would fall into some potential for some nefarious activity in that sort of situation. But nonetheless, that is the that is the system that is in place right now. And uh, again, the Braves are able to connect with Guanipa. He is an outfield prospect, uh, an all-around prospect. Um, you will see that some 
some scouting organizations would have him in the 30s, the top 30 of international prospects, and others had him near the top 10. And a lot of that has to do with his size. He was initially listed about 5'9", so kind of undersized outfielder, um, but with very good uh, bat speed, um, good bat-to-ball skills, really good defender. Then other publications, he must have grown. Again, young young kid. So maybe he's more like 5'11 now. And that, of course, projects him to possibly have a little more, more power and that sort of thing. So nonetheless, I'm sure the Braves are very happy to sign Guanipa, but very young kid. I mean, it'll be a long, long time until, um, you know, it's even possible that he uh, sniffs the major leagues. And a lot of these guys flame out. You know, when you're talking about young, uh, young kids like this, projecting how a kid is going to, um, you know, physically mature, mature is really, really difficult. Um, everybody matures differently at different times. Uh, he could have matured early and this is a, as big and strong as maybe he ever gets. Um, or he could have a lot of growth still to do, you know, obviously no one knows that. And, you know, also this transition from Venezuela to, uh, American baseball is very difficult. And some guys just have a really, really hard time adjusting to the culture and the, the language and all that stuff. So I certainly hope, uh, that Luis is able to do that. Um, and, um, that he has a good experience in the Braves organization. All right. So he's not the only guy that was signed. The Braves had quite a few players sign uh, around, you know, between four hundred and a hundred thousand dollars, somewhere in that range. Uh, the 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 other most expensive prospect that the Braves signed was Carlos Monteverde. He's also out of Venezuela. They signed him for seven hundred thousand uh, dollars. I hear that he's uh, more of like a left field prospect, not particularly great defensively, but a lot of lot of potential, especially power potential. Uh, from that outfield position. Um, John Estevez from the Dominican Republic uh, signed for $310,000, big, powerful uh, right fielder. Um, and again, he's more, he can play, you know, play a, a true right field, big arm, but his power potential is, is the biggest thing for him. The Braves signed three uh, shortstops for fairly big money, Carlos Cordero, John Gill, and Mario Baez all signed at the shortstop position. The Braves had 21 total signees. So again, just evidence that they are they were fully participating in this signing period. Last year, the Braves only signed one player, and it's because they had, um, it was the first year that they were able to participate in inter international signing, and they were only given half the amount uh, as usual. They decided to spend all that pool money on one player, go big with one guy, that guy was Ambrose Tavares. Uh, he is in the Braves organization, but uh, played very little uh, last season. Uh, he had um, uh, thoracic outlet syndrome surgery on his non-throwing arm. So um, probably nothing to be worried about, but he basically was shut down for the year. This guy is a shortstop, but he's kind of known as an offensive first shortstop, uh, but has really big time offensive potential, kind of projects more as a third baseman. So anyways, you know, just for Braves fans, it's really exciting to be able to dream big on these international prospects. It is very much a crapshoot when you're talking about such young kids. Um, and yet, you know, we know from Ozzie Albies to William Contreras to, of course, Ronald Acuna, that these guys, um, oftentimes the guys that aren't the highest paid guys coming out of these countries, uh, some of them definitely turn into 
uh, big time players, star players. So you hope that maybe one or two of these guys are that for the Braves. And of course, it will be a long time until we know much about them. But uh, probably in two to three years, you'll start seeing them in the in the minors and really seeing what they're capable of doing. So that will be exciting to see. All right, look, all right, guys, let's go ahead and move on to our next topic, and that is Brian Snicker signing an extension through the 2025 season. So, you know, Snicker has really won me over um, over the years. He, now, he will still cause me frustrations. I think Snicker is not the best in-game manager in the game by any means. That's not to say he never gets it right. I think he had a terrific run of decision-making uh, in the Braves World Series year. But yeah, I mean, you know, he he makes some some interesting decisions to say the least. And yet one thing that you know about Brian Snicker is he's maybe the best players manager in baseball. His players love him. His players respect him. They go out and play hard for him. And he he is able to bring the clubhouse together. Uh, you know, we don't get to see all the ins and outs of how he does that. Um, but it's it's certainly true that all the players love and respect him. And so that goes a long way. Uh, for sure, especially in in Atlanta Braves clubhouse. So I think Snicker staying around, it's not surprising to anyone. I mean, it would be actually shocking if he left. You know, Snicker, uh, everybody knows his story, but basically in the Braves organization for 40 years until he gets his shot, finally gets his shot to be manager, wins the World Series, all this good stuff. And, uh, you know, so really the question is just how long will Snicker want to continue to manage? And um, I, I imagine he wants to do it as long as he's he's able, um, you know, comfortably. Uh, Snicker is, like I said, he's older. He's um, 67 years old now. And so, you know, this extension would take him basically through his age 69 to 70 season. Would he want to manage beyond that? Well, he probably doesn't know uh, at this point, but it is kind of interesting to think about. I would assume the Braves would want him to stay kind of through uh, the core of, you know, this team. We, we all know that some of these great players for the Braves have signed extensions and are going to stay around for a while. And this this the core of this team is going to be together. So why wouldn't you want Brian Snicker to be there to lead them as well? I think you certainly would want that. So, you know, if that's the case, let's just say, you know, we, we've talked about the, the Braves extensions, uh, the overall core is together through about 2027, you know, some of them much longer than that. But if you look at Snicker maybe being with the Braves through 2027, he'd be 72 years old at the end of that. Now, the oldest manager in baseball right now is Dusty Baker at 73, and he's going into next season, he'll turn 74. So yes, guys can certainly manage um, well into their 70s. Uh, the, the task of managing in and of itself is of course not physically demanding, but a lot of travel um, and a lot of stress goes into, of course, the day-to-day -day grind uh, that a major league manager has to endure. So who knows what Snicker is going to do? Uh, hopefully his his health is good and, and stays um, stays good enough for him to continue to do it. I hope that he does uh, stick around for you know at least while this core is together because I think the Braves have a chance to have some really special seasons. And it got me thinking, okay, the Braves are going to, you know, have teams that are able to not only win the division, but be World Series contenders year in, year out, probably for uh, the next, you know, five plus seasons for however long uh, Brian Snicker is their manager. What if the Braves win one or two more World Series? Um, Snicker, of course, you know, waits so long to become 
a big league manager. I think he was about 60, 61 years old when he finally got his opportunity. Could it be possible that Brian Snicker could one day be a, uh, a Hall of Fame manager? Now, uh, you might think that's kind of absurd, but believe it or not, if, if Snicker manages six more seasons, maybe even five more seasons, then he would get to maybe a thousand career wins. Now, that number in and of itself is not huge. Probably wouldn't get you into the Hall of Fame or anywhere close just with that. Um, but there are managers in the Hall of Fame with about 1,200 wins and one World Series. So he is, he is certainly within that mark. If he were to win one or two more World Series, um, he's almost a, a sure thing to be a Hall of Fame manager. Um, every manager who's won three World Series is in the Hall of Fame, except for Bruce Bochy, who, of course, will eventually uh, be in the Hall of Fame as well. So it's um, it's just interesting to think about Brian Snicker, who who waited so, so long to get his opportunity. It's within reason, particularly if he gets one or two more World Series, for him to one day be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, so pretty cool stuff there. Um, all right, so speaking of the Hall of Fame, uh, let's do a, a short little review of what went down as the Hall of Fame results came out for the 2023 uh, class. Uh, the big news for Braves fans is that there were several Braves in the running to get into the Hall of Fame this year. They, I wouldn't say they were favorites, but it was very interesting to see where they might fall in the voting. Unfortunately, former Braves, Andrew Jones, Billy Wagner, and Gary, Gary Sheffield all fell short. Uh, for me, uh, you know, as far as where my heart is at, it's definitely with Andrew Jones more than any of these other guys. You know, Gary Sheffield only played a couple seasons with the Braves. Uh, it's kind of a surly guy, not super, super likable. Uh, would still be kind of cool to see him get in. But uh, nonetheless, you know, not really um, – Hart's not necessarily with him as much. Billy Wagner finished his career with the Braves. He had one terrific season, and you can say he finished on top um, with that season. But again, one year with the Braves, it'd be cool for him to get in. And I think he probably will. Uh, but I don't really necessarily think of him as a Brave. I think of him as an Astro. But Andrew Jones, of course, spent um, most of his career, at least the first 10 seasons of his career, as a Brave. By far his best seasons uh, as a Brave. And so definitely hoping that he can get in at some point. So nonetheless, none of these three guys are able to get in. Though they got relatively close, uh, Scott Rowland was elected uh, into the Hall of Fame. Uh, he will be inducted along with Fred McGriff, uh, former Brave. And, of course, I talked about McGriff um, in some uh, other episodes, one of my favorite Braves of all time. So I'll definitely be watching for that. Scott Rowland, you know, as a Braves fan, I saw him play against the Braves uh, more than anything. Of course, former Philly, former Cardinal, former Red. And he was a really good player. Roland is one of those guys that you don't necessarily, you know, when I heard the name, I was like, yeah, is he a Hall of Famer? You look at the numbers, it's like, yeah. I mean, he was consistently very, very good. And and the Hall of Fame is certainly, um, you know, uh, full of guys who had consistent excellence and maybe weren't the, you know, a top five player in the league um, at any one time. And yet they were really, really good for a long time. And that is Roland. Eight gold gloves. Uh, was a well above average hitter basically his entire career and finished um, finished it as a pretty solid player. Never really totally diminished as a player, especially defensively, but even offensively as well. Um, so ultimately, several guys fall just short this year. Todd, Hel Todd Helton 
um, came agonizingly close. He gets 72% of the vote. You have to get 75% to get in, but he will almost certainly get in next year. There's never been a player who's gotten that close and not gotten in. Uh, and he has, I think this was his fifth or sixth year on the ballot. So he has plenty of time. Uh, so look for Todd Helton to get in next year. Billy Wagner, many people also think he will be able to get in next year. Now, this was his eighth year on the ballot. He got to 68%. So um, more than likely, he's going to get in next year or um, possibly will get that final year bump and get in as well. Andrew Jones, like I said, um, the guy that the Braves, most Braves fans are probably rooting for to get in. He got to 58%, um, which, you know, he's still quite a ways away, um, but he's only in his sixth year of voting. He's got a lot of time left. And as long as he can continue to rise up the, you know, probably not next year, uh, he probably didn't get in next year, but I would, I would, I would expect and hope that Andrew Jones probably in year eight could get into the hall of fame. Certainly hope that for him. I think Rollins induction also helps Andrew Jones a little bit. Of course, they're, they play totally different positions, but Roland was a terrific defender. And I think over the years, more and more uh, voters are appreciating elite defenders. And Andrew Jones is probably one of the top three or top five most elite defenders to ever play baseball. Um, I don't think that is hyperbole. Uh, he might even be the greatest center fielder of all time. Um, some people are going to argue between him and Willie Mays probably, but that's about it. And so you know, it's it's true that uh, Scott Rowland was probably the better offensive player for his career, but Jones actually has a better peak. Uh, that's one way that, that some Hall of Fame voters look at players. Uh, you know, who has that great seven-year peak to really show, was this guy, um, you know, next level good at some point in his career? And Andrew Jones was better than, uh, than Rowland there. Uh, he was right in line with Todd Helton and pretty much every other guy that was on the ballot this year, Jones was better than. So of course his biggest negative is that Andrew didn't have the long sustained career like many Hall of Famers do. He had a really quick drop off in his early thirties and was never, never really able to regain that form. But nonetheless, he had pretty much 10 years of Hall of Fame worthy play. So certainly Certainly hoping that Andrew Jones can get in, if not next year, in maybe one or two more years. All right, my the, my final topic for today, guys, is kind of a fun one. Uh, Spencer Strider, he's uh, increasingly becoming one of my favorite Braves. Uh, he had a fun uh, bit of news during the Braves Fan Fest in Atlanta this past week. Um, I'd already seen this news that he was changing his number to number 99, and I wasn't sure exactly why that was. And it came out today that he's doing it because of his love for the movie Major League and uh, the character of Ricky Vaughn. So most ba most baseball fans have seen that movie. It is a pretty classic 80s baseball movie. If you haven't seen it, you, you definitely should check it out at some point. But uh, but Strider is embracing his, his inner Ricky Vaughn and going to number 99. So that's just kind of a cool thing. I, I like when guys do that sort of thing. It just tells you a little bit more about Strider his mentality. Um, he's he's a fun dude, but he's also intense. And I think those two things combined show you why he why he is choosing that number. So just another reason to love Spencer Strider. And uh, I'm definitely looking forward to him walking out to the mound with number 99 on 
um, and maybe some wild thing playing. So that'll be that'll be fun to watch. Uh, but guys, that's uh, that's a wrap for this episode of State of the Braves. We're going to continue to look to see if the Braves maybe add any other pieces before spring training uh, and if any other news comes out. But I hope you enjoyed this episode of State of the Braves, and I'll definitely talk to you guys soon.